we strive. Welcome to season two of the We Strive podcast. We interview entrepreneurs who are hustling, have had exits, and are out there changing the world day by day. Entrepreneurship is all about getting places that you weren't supposed to get to. It's about creating something out of nothing, and the people we interview do just that. I'm your host, Corey McCain, CEO of the We Strive Fitness Platform, launching this December. If you want shares in our company, head to wefunder.com slash we strive and check us out. Thanks again for listening every week, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. This week we have Axel York, and this guy's done a lot of stuff. Uh, in the interview, he claims to not be an entrepreneur, but yet he's done some of the most entrepreneurial stuff I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, he helped start a company in Southeast Asia. He currently runs a company out of the Philippines where I actually just hired him, or I hired his company last week. I'm going to have an executive assistant through his company. I'm super excited about it. So he runs that. It's called Cloud Sherpas. He's also really high up at V3 Electric. He's a board member and donor to multiple charities, one being Campaign One at a Time. Shout out to Brody Nicholas, episode 35. So Axel York, coolest name on the planet, and he's just a good guy, and he's doing a lot of really cool things. So I'm excited for you guys to check this out. Yeah, so name is Axel York, and what I do... uh... Got, got a couple irons in the fire. I run a BPO company called Cloud Sherpas. Uh, for those that don't know, that's business process outsourcing. Uh, so think any type of uh, you know work, uh, labor that you want to outsource, that you want to offload, take off your plate. Um, that can be as easy as data entry, and it could be as advanced as uh, you know website development, things like that. Uh, that you get more into the you know, the KPO or the knowledge process outsourcing side of the business. Um, and then uh, I'm, I'm also a shareholder in one of the largest companies, uh, solar companies in California, V3 Electric. And I'm uh, in charge of business development and talent acquisitions uh, for that organization. And then on the side, I, I uh, work with a couple nonprofits. Uh, I'm on the board of directors of one uh, called Campaign One at a Time and help them out with you know their their technology stack and just kind of strategic uh direction as far as the organization goes so a few things with that one i just i just hired your cloud trip of services i didn't even know what bpo stands for to be honest so i'm glad you i'm glad i signed that contract and didn't even know what that meant um second thing so campaign one at a time that you work with so awesome so i believe brody nicholas well i don't believe Brody Nicholas was yep. the person that introduced us. Uh, he runs Camp One at a Time. He was actually episode 35 on here, so that was cool. And then finally, yeah. um, forgot the last question, but I was just going to ask, so like, do you, do you feel like you're an entrepreneur or do you feel like you kind of like fell into the typical entrepreneur? You're like, oh, this might be you know a good business to run into and kind of start doing it? Or like, have you always yeah. kind of had those entrepreneurial spirits? Yeah, that that's a, a great question. And I, I kind of... I kind of straddled the, the, the line there, um, you know, given that the, the company V3 electric that I mentioned that I'm involved with, I, you know, I, I don't run the company. I'm, I'm not the CEO there. Um, I, I am one of the shareholders in the company. Uh, I've spent the last 
you know, half decade kind of helping, helping build that organization. So there's definitely, uh, you know, a sense of ownership and, and a sense of, uh, you know, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit with that. Um, and then with the, the BPO company with Cloud Sherpas, you know, obviously I, I do run that company. Uh, so it's very much, you know, an, an entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, uh, you know, as far as, yeah, how, how I got into that or, or how I would, you know, classify myself, uh, you know, definitely, definitely have that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I, you know, and, and you've probably seen this on my email signature. I don't actually like to, you know, put CEO of, you know, XYZ company. Uh, you know, I feel there's a lot of, a lot of Instagram CEOs out there, as they say. And, uh, you know, so typically I'll just, I'll classify myself as like the operations director, operations manager or something uh, to that effect. And, and how I really got into, you know, that area, or that realm, uh, ultimately just started with actually reading books. You know, I was, I was working for a, a tech company, a startup software company. Um, they're based out of the Bay area as most are, and, um, just started getting, getting involved, getting into some different books on, you know, uh, management on entrepreneurship, on leadership, on creating a company, um, you know, taking a product to market. And that for me really kind of sparked that, you know, that passion. And and from there, it was just, you know, my brain was kind of keyed into, you know, how can I, yeah, how could I help improve this business process? How could I, uh, you know, help this company, you know, eliminate redundancies here or there? Uh, and then, and then that element of just kind of, kind of being like a solutions consultant for the people that I work with, you know, people have a, a you know, a pain point um, and being able to come in and kind of help alleviate that, you know, that's, I think in a nutshell, kind of what, you know, any good entrepreneur is going to do is they're going to find a, a pain point. They're going to identify it, isolate it, and then find a solution for it. And, you know, ideally it's on a mass scale. So. Were you like an entrepreneur as a kid? Did you do like the the cookie sales and all that stuff? Or did it kind of just like come once you kind of had these business skills over time? Yeah. So, you know, funny enough that I, I it's kind of in retrospect or in hindsight, you know, that I was I was looking looking back and like, yeah, where did some of this, you know, these ideas or these, you know, creative, you know, pursuits come from? Um and, you know, I, I didn't go the typical lemonade stand route or the you know, hustling, you know, candy bars at, at school or whatnot. Um, but, you know, one of the things that really stands out to me, like I played sports as a kid, so I had a, I had a fundraise, you know, a lot to cover my, my equipment costs and my, you know, participation fees and things like that. And, you know, my, I don't have a lot of family local and, and the family that I do have, you know, they're kind of like, yeah, if you want, you know, a thousand dollars to play football this season, yeah, you can go cut wood for five bucks an hour. I'm like, well, this will be over by the time I I'm able to cut enough wood to cover this. So, you know, I had to get, get creative. And so ended up just going out and, you know, kind of networking in, in the community, uh, literally just knocking on people's doors, trying to solicit donations. And so I think that's what kind of helped build a little bit of a foundation from like a sales, you know, standpoint, a sales skill set. Um, you know, and then, and then another thing, Thing that I did just to kind of make some extra money as a as a kid was, you know, I found a, a Christmas tree lot and they had a killer price on trees, you know, so they charge like nine ninety nine for a twelve foot, you know, 
really nice Christmas tree that you go to any lot and you're going to pay 80 to 100 bucks for. And so I, I would just save up all my money for the month that, that I had earned through working my minimum wage job. And I'd go and I'd buy, you know, 15, 20 Christmas trees, load them up in my truck. And then same thing, I would just basically set up my own little, you know, tree lot. And, and if there's anything that I had left over that I, I couldn't sell, I'd literally just drive to people's houses, knock on their door and pitch them on like, hey, who wants to deal with the hassle of going to a Christmas tree farm and, you know, pick, even though that's like most of the fun for a lot of people, uh, but just selling them on that idea of like, no, this is a, this is a hassle. Like, you don't want to deal with all this, you know, I'll sell you this tree uh, right on here on the spot, 50 bucks, and then I'll come and I'll remove it, you know, for 25. Um, so, so I did that for a couple seasons as well. Um, when I was younger, I, lo I love how you tried to act in the beginning. Like there wasn't an entrepreneurial past really <laughs> that you talk about how you're like, like buying and selling trees. Like what was that high school? You said like, what was that? Yeah. 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 That was, that was probably year to, it's like it's like the yeah. most like yeah. entrepreneurial upbringing ever yeah. heard in my life like yeah well you know it was, it was kind of seasonal i guess so that's it wasn't a it wasn't a full-time you know side hustle okay but. so definitely an entrepreneur got it um cool man very cool so what was like the first uh like big company job that you had yeah so the i mean the first one you know when i got started kind of you know big boy job if you will uh, it was actually in construction and, and so that was, uh, you know, that I would say as far as like things that I've learned was, was actually a, a big one. I don't necessarily recommend anybody who wants to like, you know, start their own business and, and get out there and become an entrepreneur goes that route, but it'll definitely teach you hard work and it'll, it'll teach you, you know, how to, yeah, put in those long hours. And, and even when you're tired and don't feel like doing whatever it is you have to do, like you're, you're still out there, you know, grinding you know, day after day. Um, and, and also just, you know, that you don't want to be in that career forever. Right. And, and so I did that for a couple years out of uh, school. Um, I was also doing personal training on the side. So that was, you know, so th there's always kind of been some sort of side hustle or some sort of like entrepreneurial, you know, endeavor. Um, you know, again, this was, just me going to, to local gyms around my area and like working out a deal, you know, Hey, um, I don't want to be a, a trainer. You know, I, I don't necessarily want to work for you guys. Um, uh, but I would like to train clients that I, I bring on here and, you know, I'll just pay you a percentage of, you know, the fee of, of whatever that is. So whether it's 10, 20%. Um, so I did that for, for a few years as well. Um, and so that was my first kind of taste of like, okay, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not, living at home. Um, you know, I, I have my, my day job and then this is my side hustle where I can get creative and I can, you know, start kind of building some systems. Um, and then beyond that, I actually started working for, um, V3 electric and, and started in sales with that organization. And so, you know, as far as like looking back and, and if I were to give anybody any advice on like where to start somebody that's like, man, I, I really want to get into, you know, running my own business or starting my own business, um, all day, every day, it's going to be start with sales, because you have to be the best salesperson in, in your organization, if you're going to run it. Um, and that's the lifeblood of any company is is revenue, right? So that's where I would suggest anybody starts. And, and that's kind of where I really started kind of cutting my teeth 
and, and learning how to sell and, you know, how to sell well. Uh, so yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, that's crazy. Did, did I know that you were a personal trainer before? I feel like we, have we talked about that or no? I, I think maybe I, I mentioned it just cause you know, again, it just, it was kind of, kind of serendipitous, uh, when, when we had spoke and I was like, oh man, this is, you know, the, the app that you uh, are building is exactly what I was looking for when I was a personal trainer. I was like, I need, you know, I need a better way to, to manage all this stuff. So what? I didn't know that. Okay. Good to know. I mean, I knew it's a good way to do that, but I didn't know that you were a trainer. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Got a little insight on that. Yeah. Five years or so. You, you, know, were, you were a trainer just, for five years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that another time. Good to know. Okay. Well, I'd love to hear. Yeah, we'll yeah, I'll take you through the app and everything. Awesome. Um, yeah. So you I, you mentioned in your bio a little bit about how you went to Southeast Asia for work. Can you describe like what job that was for, why you had to go to Southeast Asia and kind of what that experience was like? Yeah. Yeah. How much time do you have? That was, that was quite the experience there. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was there for, you know, the better part of two years. Um, is how that kind of came to to fruition. Um, see if I can summarize this. So uh, I, I was basically working, you know, with V three Electric, and and again, as you can tell, based on some of the some of the things I've already told you about my background, I tend to always have, you know, a couple irons in the fire. There's there's always, you know, something going on 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 the side. And while I was selling with V three Electric, and kind of really helping that, you know. Uh, get off the ground and and help in, you know, get the infrastructure built to to bring install uh, for you know the solar equipment in house. Um, I, I met a gentleman that was running the startup software company, and he had worked for Oracle uh, Corporation and for Salesforce, you know, for many many years. And and the guy really knew his stuff. Um, when I first talked to him, I had no no insight into into software. Like I, I was completely ignorant. Um, I ironically, when I got out of school and I was kind of looking at like, okay, what are the, what are the areas or the industries that I want to go in? Only two came to mind. It was either, you know, renewables, renewable energy or software because software is eating the world and, and renewable energy is the future of how we're all going to, you know, power everything, our cars, our homes, you name it. And so for whatever reason, I thought, you know, solar is going to be an easier route to get into. Like, I, I'm not going to need to have as much information or as much knowledge to kind of break into that industry. Um, and then I, I met this gentleman, you know, who was running this this company, and and basically the company built apps on the Salesforce.com app exchange. Um, they're they're one of the largest CRM you know companies in the world. And so he's telling me, you know, how he's building this product, and you know, yeah, it's great. It's going to connect all these, you know, dis disparate uh, software products and, and you can operate your business from one, you know, single point, you know, you don't need to have this email marketing system over here, this point of sale system over here, this ERP system there. And I was like, cool, that sounds great. But I don't know what any of that means. Um, you know, and I was like, let's chat, you know, next week. And then so I went home and I kind of did my due diligence, like, okay, is this guy, you know, trying to sell vaporware? Or is is this legitimate? Um, and everything checked out. And so, you know, I, I, I met with him again and we, you know, kind of connected. I got to check out the application that was being built. Um, and I just got, I got hooked in and, and for some reason, you know, I had an aptitude for software and, and it, again, it's kind of funny because, you know, I was the guy that was, you know, I, I use everything Mac and we're on, you know, iOS 
uh, 13 right now. Uh, I was the guy that would have been on, you know, like Snow Leopard, whatever, 7.15, you know, five years after they've released this great new operating system. I was just never very like savvy in that space. Um, and then when I kind of dipped my toes into it, you know, it, I just like a fish to water, I just, I took to it and just kind of got really obsessed with that and, and ran with that for, for quite a while. Um, and, and kind of made that more of my focal point than the, the solar company. And then we kind of came to a point where, you know, the business was growing and, and I had helped increase revenue, you know, the first year, um, I don't know, it was like 180% increase or something. It, it was pretty substantial. And so we're like, well, Hey, let's, uh, you know, let's look at expanding this. Let's, let's look at bringing this to a new market. And, you know, we, we decided on Asia, uh, as a good kind of like test bed. And, uh, the guy that I was working with, he had launched some of the first offices overseas for Oracle. Um, you know, we're talking now probably 20 years ago and, you know, he's telling me these stories about, you know, what, what a challenge it was, but, but how fun it was. And he's, you know, like, man, I wish I could do that again, but I got to run this company. So unfortunately I can't. And I kind of like raised my hand. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll go over there. I'll, I'll give that a shot. You know, he's like, seriously. And I was like, yeah, seriously, let's, let's do it. And so, you know, within the next 30 days, I was on a plane to Asia, one-way ticket, um, really not knowing like what I was going to do when I got over there, you know, cause, cause again, I had kind of, you know, started some, some businesses or I, I wouldn't even call it that. I'd say some side hustles to that point, but I had never like gone even in the U S and like, okay, let's get an office. Let's get it, you know, furnished. Let's get internet hooked up. Let's get employees hired. Let's get a business built. Right. And so that's effectively what I did over there. Um, while I was over there. And, and on top of that, I had to figure out like, okay, this is a new culture that I'm living in. I have to figure out where I'm going to live. Uh, I have to figure out transportation, you know, all this stuff. I have to figure out currency and, and how am I going to, you know, access my bank account in the US because, you know, just go to the Bank of America in, you know, the middle of Manila. Um, so there's just a lot of a lot of hurdles to jump over. Um, and, and, you know, I, I figured it out. It, it probably took me about, probably about three months to like really get things rocking. And, and, you know, I had done probably a few hundred interviews over there. Uh, we, we were hiring a sales team, we were hiring developers, um, you know, customer service, the whole nine. And yeah, so I, I stayed over there, you know, not really knowing when I was going to come back to the States, you know, it was just kind of, uh, it, it was more of a like, Hey, when you get this thing you know, humming along and, and you can leave, that's when you can like come back and, and visit your family and friends, you know, back home, uh, which I was totally, totally on board with, you know, and, and I've, yeah, I just, that sense of like, Hey, we have a mission to accomplish and we're going to accomplish it. Um, that was what kept me going and, and, you know, kept me pushing forward on that. So it was about, I think about a year exactly, give or take, I, I left before Christmas, um, in, whatever it was 2015 and, and I got to come back for Christmas 2016 um, and, and spent a couple weeks with family before I went back out there. And then when I went back out, uh, I ended up actually launching a second office outside of Manila. Uh, Manila is the, the city. It's, you know, one of actually the biggest city there in the Philippines. Um, so we launched a secondary office and, you know, same, same thing. It was the same growing pains, um, you know, dealing with, you know, operating a business in a, in a third world country and getting internet and power and all that fun stuff set up, getting people hired, 
you know, and, and just the culturally, it's a lot different over there. You know, they, they have this thing called uh, uh, Philippine time. And when I first got over there, I, I had met up with some, some people, you know, I made some friends just kind of checking out the city. And uh, I'm, I'm a pretty big scuba diver, and they have amazing scuba diving over there. And so I had booked a, a scuba tour. And I mentioned to these guys like, hey, do you guys want to come? You know, I, I don't know if any of you dive. If you do, great, you can join me. If not, you can just, you know, boat ride, snorkel, we'll, we'll find a beach and, you know, hang out for the day. And uh, they're like, yeah, sounds great. What time? Uh, 9am tomorrow. Okay, great. So is that like 9am Philippine time? And I was like, well, yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, we're in the Philippines after all. <laughs> and and I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? Like, is your nine my nine? And they're like, Oh, no, no, nine Philippine time means that we're like, we have an hour, like we can be an hour late. I was like, No, 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 this is like on time, like on the dot. And I came to realize that with, you know, some of the people that I was hiring and working with over there, they had the same idea of Philippine time, which was, hey, if we roll into the, the, the office 30 minutes late, it's okay, because we're on Philippine time. So that was another kind of, you know, challenge or hurdle to get over was just to get everybody kind of like culturally on the same page as far as like expectations. But did that, did that have anything yeah. to do with that one girl missing the interview the other day? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's that's a prime example of Philippine time. Yeah, bingo. Because she actually, yeah, she reached out to me uh, probably 30 minutes after we jumped off the call. Like, okay, I'm ready. I was like, yeah, a little late. Um, yeah, but I, I cut them some slack when it's like totally after hours, uh, you know, so and and so that was kind of the I mean, that was really the catalyst for, you know, when I when I came back to the States, you know, again, um, you know, a lot of things that I've done have just kind of been these, you know, light bulbs that have clicked on and, and it's, you know, I'm almost like kicking myself after the fact, because I'm like, wait, why didn't I think about this, you know, six months ago or, or so. And uh, it was the, it was the same thing. I came back to the states. I I got uh, you know much more involved with with V three. Um, they they really needed some help from a, a growth standpoint. So I came back in to build the the recruiting program and build out the you know biz dev uh, for the company, the business development. And you know I was just spending a, a lot of time with redundant tasks. And you know again I was I was I was actually in the gym. You know that's kind of my my meditation zone. Uh, where I can just shut everything out. And I was thinking, man, I'm, I'm spending so much time on these processes that, you know, I shouldn't be, what can I do? And then the light bulb came on. And I was like, well, wait, why don't I just, why don't I deploy the same model that I had overseas? Um, just do it remotely, right? And, and just hire a team remotely. And I can launch an office over there. You know, office space is a lot cheaper. Um, I have a, a huge network because I spent two years over there working and um, you know, meeting people. And, you know, we, we hired a lot of good people when I was over there. I, I should say I hired a lot of good people when I was over there. And when I came back, I was like, okay, cool, let's let's get this started. So we we kind of deployed, you know, just a, a beta test, because I still had doubts, like, can I do this overseas? Like, can I manage a team remotely, you know, and, and at the time, it was just me. Uh, when we got on a call the other night, uh, I had my operations manager on who uh, Paul, Paul Moreno, who's been a huge help. And, you know, he's lived in the US and he's lived in the Philippines. So he knows both cultures. He does a great job bridging the gap. But at the time, I had no idea whether or not that would be effective, right? Because there's no like, you know, 
punch a clock. There's no like, hey, I'll see you in the morning. Like, make sure you're on time. It's like, hey, I, I hope this you know person's logged in. I, I hope he or she is you know on time for their shift. And so, so obviously, I, I want to start small uh, before before I scaled. And so, started with one person, and you know, from there, just built it out. And now I've got you know about twenty employees, uh, you know, remote over, overseas that that are working for me. And you know, we we haven't had really many hiccups. Like, and fr- frankly, there's been less you know less of a challenge me managing that process remotely than when I first went over there and was boots on the ground. And I think what it comes down to is just kind of learning the the culture, learning how they operate um, and learning better, better leadership and, and management skills than what I had the first time around. And I know that the person we just brought yeah. on board is going to work from 10 to six. So what, what time is that in their yeah. time? Yeah. Well, and, and so, so we have daylight savings time, which we should, we should all band together and try to get rid of that. But um, they don't have daylight savings time. So, so it'll actually vary um, depending on what time of the year it is. So, so right now they'll be starting, um, I, I guess at uh, 1 a.m. And, and then it'll flip by an hour when we uh, cross over or back into, you know, regular time. Uh, so, yeah, they're working through the middle of the night. And yeah, like 1, 1 a.m. To, to 9 a.m. So, so straight through the night. So actually, and that was the, the other thing that, that uh, oddly enough, somehow I, I kind of glossed over. Um, that was hard, you know, for me to, to get on that schedule as far as like working through the middle of the night and then going home to go to bed and the sun's coming up. It, it really throws off your, you know, your, your circadian rhythm. Um, so that was a hard thing to adjust to. And then you deal with like, okay, do I... Um, yeah, what do I do on the weekends? Do I stay up through the middle of the night on Saturday and Sunday? Uh, do I try to go out and like have a good time? Do I go to the beach and try to like get a dive in? And so you have to like, you have to sacrifice, you know, some of your, you know, lucidity going through the work week if you want to do anything, you know, on the weekend. Um, so that was definitely a challenging thing. But like we're we're going back out, um, you know, me me and some of the folks on my team in the U.S. We're going back out in two weeks. Um, so we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing some work with uh, campaign one at a time. We're going to be sponsoring uh, about a hundred children over in the Philippines that, that have cancer and life-threatening illnesses and, you know, helping them out with, with, you know, just basic needs, food, uh, clean water, you know, clothing, um, medical bills for some. And, and so that'll be the day trip. And then during the night, I'll be working with my team over there um, so for me, you know, a lot, I think a lot of people think they're like, oh man, you're going over to the Philippines. This is going to be, yeah, let's enjoy your vacation. Like hope you get some R and R and I'm like, no guys, I'm going to be up for like 20 straight hours, sleep for four and do it all over again and just grind it out for a week straight. Like when I get, when I come home, I'm going to get to take a break, like going back to my regular schedule. That's crazy. I mean, I didn't even, uh, I mean, again, so many, I started, I tried to write down some of the questions. I kept losing them, but. So, uh, so you said you're in, so are you in, I know you're a shareholder in V3. Are you in equity? Like did you invest money or just like you have shares, like you were like an original employee or what does that entail? Yeah. So it's, so, so it's all sweat equity. Right. Um, and, and there's, uh, you know, without doing like a financial lesson, um, as far as like how, how that stuff is, 
differentiated, distinguished. It's it's uh it's like preferred, you know, shares as as like an early, you know, early employee essentially. So it's it's as far as like you know, is is it different from like the shares that the founders have? It's it's the exact same uh, type of equity in, in the company. Very cool. So, so how how big is that company right now? Uh, well, so this this year finishing out twenty nineteen, um, we're gonna hit a little bit north of sixty million in revenue. Yeah. So so we're 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 doing pretty good. This is um this is gonna be our fifth year in business. Uh, so, so like I mentioned, I started with the company about five years ago. So, you know, I came in, it was, it was just the epitome of a, a mom and pop shop. Uh, we had about, you know, five employees, including myself. And, uh, you know, we were sharing office space with another company and, you know, we've just, yeah, we've grown tremendously in the last five years and, and, you know, we are going to continue to, to keep growing, uh, you know, year over year. And we've, we've been able to double our revenue and our size, uh, you know, our operations, our footprint, uh, every single year. Um, the struggle is, as you know, when you get into that 60 million range and you're like, okay, can we double again next year? It's no easy feat to go from 60 to 120 million. So, you know, we'll have to kind of adjust our, you know, our, our expectations there. But, um, you know, as far as, yeah, as far as, as growth, like we're, we're actually right now exclusively in California. Uh, and, and there's just such a, a market here for, you know, what we're offering, which is just cheaper power for, for homeowners. Right. Um, and, and getting that through a renewable source and we'll eventually start expanding into other States, but yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're operating in a, a trillion dollar, you know, market, the, the energy sector here. So sky's the limit as far as, you know, as far as, um, where, where you can go and, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people, you know, they tend to look at it as like, you know, they, they tend to look at it as kind of a, like a, a finite game or like a, a, a zero sum game. Um, but the, the industry that we're in, it's, I mean, it's, it's an infinite game, like there's, there's going to be more, more growth, there's going to be more need for what's really a basic necessity having having energy, right. And you know, getting away from some of these kind of monopolistic companies, you know, like you're, you're in Southern California, Edison territory, we're up here in PG&E territory, you know, these guys don't give their, their consumers any choice. So what we do is effectively, you know, think of, it's kind of a buzzword, but think of like decentralizing, uh, you know, power, you know, decentralizing the, the grid so that, you know, a homeowner can basically have like, you know, a self-powered home in, in a sense. And and so that's the, that's the mission, the movement that we're working towards is just really giving people options. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's so crazy. Like what a cool spot to be in where you're doing 60 million a year and you're not like bottlenecked, whatever that term is, where it's like, okay, you have 49 other States you can go to if you, for some reason had to, but you obviously have so much to do here yeah. first. So that's so cool. Wait, so yeah. how, how early did well, you get like, yeah did that company launch and then you were like the first employee or like where, where did you start with them? Yeah. So, so I came in, uh, you know, I think, I think V3 electric had had its doors open for all of like six weeks when, when I, when I jumped in and, and again, it was just, you know, good timing, frankly, because I, I was completely ignorant of the industry. I, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but, you know, come to find out neither did anybody else in, in the organization. So, you know, when, yeah, like the, as far as like 
anytime I give somebody advice, you know, with when they're like, you know, looking for for a job opportunity, or they're looking to, you know, start their business or grow their business or, or whatever it is, I the, think the most important thing is just, it's the people, right? It's the it's the the, the human capital that you have in your organization. Like, if you have the right people around you, um, you can accomplish anything you you need to or that you want to. Um, it, it doesn't matter if, you know, tomorrow we decide like, hey, we're going to become a, you know, construction company, or we're going to become a software company, or, you know, we're going to go into building rockets, you know, to, to fly into space. Like if you have good people that are driven, um, you know, and, and, and have kind of a collective cause that they can back, um, the, the sky's the limit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool, man. Um, so I was going to ask you like, or I mean, asked, I was going to say like, it's so cool how whenever I interview people on here, it's always cool to see like how either their upbringing or certain jobs led into why they've done such a good job at their current job. And I was going to say how cool it is that you tasked, well, kind of tasked yourself with going overseas and creating a remote team. And now like you've created a company where you help create a remote team in a sense where like you can kind of take all the skills that you built up from your other career and then now create a career out of it. I mean, that's so crazy. Uh, and it, how cool yeah. is it that you have, you know, you made these connections while you're over there, you're able to build a business and then build one out of, out of your own. Do you have that yeah. in the initial pitch for cloud Sherpas where you tell people that like you were there for a few years and like you built this company like from your own personal connections and like you've actually worked with these people over in the Philippines. Like, do you say that when you, did you say that to me when you did the oh, intro yeah. to me? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, I mean, the the things that I cover there, like, and, and again, you know, just talking about like, you know, it goes back to what I mentioned as far as like, you know, purpose and and, and mission and like cloud Sherpas. It's it's kind of twofold. It's like, you know, it's enabling folks that are running businesses. You know, it doesn't matter what size, frankly, um, of a business that you're you're running. Like, there's always processes that like you just you should get off your plate, right? It's it's the idea of like, don't work on them or don't work uh, in the machine, work on the machine, right? Like you, you don't want to be running a mechanic shop and like wrenching on cars. Like you want to be working on building the systems that allow that company to flourish and allow it to expand and grow. So take that analogy and, and you know, whether it's you're building an app for personal trainers you know, whether you're building a solar company, whether you're building, you you name it, right? And so, so that's a big part of it is just providing that enablement for people where, where they can, they can focus on bigger picture, they can focus on the more important, you know, pieces of their business. Um, and they're not, you know, they're, yeah, they're not focusing on the stuff that's a menial task that you could pay somebody, you know, a couple bucks an hour to do or, or whatever it may be. Um, and, and that's something that I've always done, which is like, you know, I kind of, I kind of set my, my hourly rate and I'm like, okay, you know, is, does this map into my hourly rate? Like it could be as simple as like, you know, do I want to, yeah, do I want to cook dinner or do I want to like just order meal prep for the week? Like what's cheaper? Like at, at face value, it's cheaper to cook because it's dollars and cents. It's cheaper, but like, where would I put my, my resources and my time, you know, outside of that? Is, am I going to put it into growing? you know, my business or growing what I can make? If the answer is yes, then yeah, outsource that. Have, have somebody else do it. And so that's the idea there. And, and then the other piece, 
Um, and, and this might just be me, but you know, the, the quality of life, you know, that we're able to provide to our employees on the cloud Sherpa side, um, is something that is just super cool for me. Like I, I, I love it when somebody on my team, you know, maybe I, I have a new hire three months in six months in, you know, they send me a DM and they're like, Hey, thank you so much for this opportunity. Like, you know, this has changed my life. Like, you know, I, I've had people that have been in, you know, debt and and just struggling. You know, they've got hospital bills to pay. They've got you know whatever else, and and you know we're able to give them an opportunity, and and they come in and they crush it, and they just you know they're able to make more money with our organization than they can with any other you know BPO company. Um, and that's and that's for for me is really cool, and I think a lot of our our clients you know, appreciate that as well, because, you know, they, yeah, like, I've had people that are like, you know, they, they want to come out and visit and they're concerned, like, you know, what, yeah, what's the, what's the conditions over here? Like, you know, do they have a nice office? Do they have a good setup? Like, are they paid well? Um, and when they, they find that out, it definitely helps kind of ease their, ease their mind, ease their concerns. Um, so those are really the two things that, that I think are, are really impactful um, and, and really make a, a big difference for the people that we work with um, in terms of like the operations and like, you know, efficiency. Um, yeah. hundred percent. It, it's the fact that like I spent a couple of years over there and you know, at, again, at face value, it's like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I can just do this myself. And, and I, I tell anybody who's looking at doing business with us, like, yeah, by all means, like, you know, get, give it a shot. I, I want to recommend it because, you know, I've spent five years of, uh, you know, stress and, and, you know, turmoil trying to uh, get this process dialed into to what it is today. Uh, and it's no, it's no easy feat. Like, and, and so that's a lot of the, you know, value and benefit that our clients are getting is like, it's just, it's autopilot. You don't have to think about it. Like, you know, you, you, you hire somebody, you know, if you have some special task that needs done, you know, you provide a little training on it. And then we've got team leads, operations managers, you know, they're managing the the KPIs, the, the key performance indicators for the team, making sure that they're on task, you know, on time and driving results. So I'm really excited. I mean, again, like a million points to that, but I mean, I'm really excited to start working with, with my, um, my what what do you do we call them VAs? What do you guys like to call them? What's your preference on that? Yeah, I, I call them I call them EAs, uh, executive assistant. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to work with my EA. Cool, sounds very cool. Uh, yeah. And to your point, like I I don't have like any money, and funding's always been super tight. So it's like I want to do what you're talking about, where it's like because I, I have my accounting degree, so I always think that way too. Like, what's my opportunity cost for? taking 30 yeah. minutes to cook a full meal when I could spend five bucks and get like get it delivered or whatever, you know? Um, so, but I mean, when I have no money, it's like the opportunity cost doesn't really matter. Cause I'm like, uh, I can make yeah. this for 80 cents and I'm not going to spend, you know, $9, yeah. but I totally get what you're saying. And that's why, that's why I'm working with my new EA, uh, because I'm super yeah. excited to like, for example, like all day today for probably 18 hours, I'm, literally copying information from our old app and retyping. I basically have to reproduce, uh, what is it like 200 and or no, 320 trainer profiles, re add 540 programs and then sync them all up into Apple. 
Um, so I'm doing that. It's going to take me about five days. I'm currently about halfway done with it. Um, but it's, it's a really daunting and knowing process. And I'm like, yeah. I should be focusing on raising money, but then I don't have money. So, yeah. so it's like a full yeah. circle, but I totally right. get what you're saying with well, that though. And, yeah. And, and here's the other thing that, that I, I found myself in the the trap of, and, and I'm sure other people have as well, where, you know, if, if you are running your own business or, or you're high up in a, in a business and you have some of these you know, menial tasks, like I, you know, I've got a team uh, at V3, you know, stateside, um, you know, I've, I've got over a dozen people, you know, direct reports, and um, I don't want to offload any, you know, any like what you just mentioned, like just a bunch of data entry, like, I don't want to offload it to, to those guys either. Because, you know, although I shouldn't do it, I feel like, hey, they're, they're more capable than that. Like they don't, they don't need to spend a bunch of their time dealing with like data entry or like, you know, silly emails or, you know, whatever it might be. And that's where the, that's where an EA or, or any type of, uh, you know, BPO agent comes into play and, and is super valuable. Cause not only do you get to keep it off your plate, you get to keep it off your team's plate, you know? And so you can focus on the, the fundraising, um, and and your team can focus on like that idea that I mentioned of working on the machine, like making sure the machine is running and and not working in it, right? No, I totally agree. Yeah, and I'm I'm slowly slowly getting to that point. Like I'm realizing, I mean, it's just it's just worth it. I mean, you know, the, just the hourly rate, that especially when you outsource too. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. Man. Wait, what do they what do they make for minimum wage typically over in the Philippines? Yeah. So. Yeah, so so minimum wage is is going to be, and, and so they they pay in uh, pesos, right? Filipino pesos. Uh, so it's about fifty pesos to the dollar right now is the conversion rate, and they're making typically like twelve thousand pesos a month as kind of like minimum wage, if you will. Uh, so so that that equals at. 50 to one, you're looking at about $230, $240 US um, each month is kind of like your average income over there. So, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, it's very low. So, so as I mentioned, like we, you know, we, we pay our guys uh, significantly more, which allows us to get a lot better, you know, quality talent and, and we're not charging more. In a lot of cases, we actually charge less than some of the other like you know quote unquote big bpo companies you know that that you know they'll charge 1500 to 1800 dollars you know per agent per month and then they'll turn around and they'll pay their guys you know this minimum wage and and you know it's just it's kind of 101 like you're not going to bring in top tier talent uh, in in your organization if you're paying you know bottom bottom of the barrel wages and so I think that's one of the things that's really helped us, you know, and, and early on the, you know, the instinct or the, you know, the pull is to like pinch pennies wherever you can. And, and, and I might be biased just because, you know, outside of sales and, and, and software, a big part of my background has been like talent acquisition and, you know, people management. And so just those principles of like, you know, get, find good people and, you know, I'll hire people that are good, even if I don't have a spot for them, because I know that I'll need them in the future and, and something will come up. 
and I want to keep them in the organization. Like good people don't stay unemployed for long. And so you really want to make sure that like you're, you're on the ball and you get them into the organization, um, you know, find them, find them something to do until you can really stick them in the right role. Um, and so we'll, yeah, we'll hire from like, you know, companies like, uh, like Google, um, you know, JP Morgan, Chase, um, Salesforce, Oracle, you know, big like fortune 500 companies over there that, that are able to find good people. And, you know, they, they do the same thing. Right. And, and so the model, the model there, so just, yeah, a little lesson on, on the BPO space. Like, so when, when you call into, you know, JP Morgan, or you call into Google, or you call into, you know, whatever, and, and you need help with, you know, your, your app or your, you know, online username or whatever it is, or you need to look up a transaction, um, and you get routed to the the Philippines to to one of their you know BPO agents. You're not actually like they're not directly employed, you know, by Google or by JP Morgan Chase or by Facebook or by whoever. And I I don't think a lot of people know that they're actually employed by a third party. So maybe like you know Convergis or Concentrics or um, Alorica. Those are some of the big BPO companies over in the Philippines. And so then they you know they bill out to these companies like. JP Morgan Chase, Google, whatever, you know, that what we talked about, 1800 bucks, you know, per person. And then they turn around and they pay their employees, you know, 12,000 pesos or 250 bucks a month. Um, and, and the rest, yeah, they're, they're pocketing. So, you know, but, uh, and obviously, you know, you're, you're a business owner, Corey. So you get like, you can't just like, okay, I'm going to make $1,200 and I'm going to pay my employee $1,200 you know, there has to be margin for growth and reinvesting and, you know, making sure the lights stay on. But, you know, when you're dealing with that disparity, yeah, that's, that's where it's like, okay, there's a better way guys. That's crazy. Good to know. Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned was, uh, you took one of the companies from 13 million to 60 million. Is that V3 or was that a different company? Yeah. Uh, that, that was V3. I can't take all the credit. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But you were a part of that. You were a part of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, when when I when I came, uh, you know, back in because there's there's some involvement with V3, but it you know it wasn't full time. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't fully committed, fully dedicated. And and so when I jumped back in, you know, a lot of the growth that we had seen, and and again, it's it's part of why I'm so bullish on, you know, this idea of having the right people and and having a good team around you, um, you know, and 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 with the Cloud Sherpas business, just being able to outsource you know, tasks that you'd be clogging up some of your key personnel with. Um, Cause a lot of that growth, like I, I would say probably good 80% of it was from bringing in like new talent into the organization. Um, and, and that's, that's the piece that I was responsible uh, for. And I am still responsible for was, you know, systematizing uh, a really good recruiting process for the organization and bringing some high caliber salespeople into the company. And, and so that's what I, you know, that's what I came back and, and did. And, and that was a big piece of what kind of helped us get from, you know, the 13 million to the, what we'll do this year, you know, north of 60 million in revenue. Um, and then the, the other part of that was just good leadership training, frankly, which, you know, I, I won't begin to take credit for. We've got some really great people in the organization uh, at V3 and in the company that are able to kind of share their knowledge and share the things they've learned over the years and just kind of really just duplicate. Yeah. 
What? So how did you get involved with Campaign One at a Time, and then also the C Save Foundation? Yeah. So, man, let's see. Let's start with C Save because just chronologically. Um, so as I mentioned, I was I was pretty big into the the scuba diving space, or I still am actually. Um, I'm, I'm quite excited for my trip. I'm going to get at least one really great dive in uh, when I go over to Asia. Uh, it might be without any sleep, but we'll I'll still get it. Uh, so I was actually at, I was at a dive expo. Um, I don't, I don't remember which one it was. It, it could have been cause the big ones that there's a big one called Dima that they have in Las Vegas. And then there's another, uh, big one that they have in Southeast Asia. Um, so it, it was at one of those and I had just ran into, uh, the, the director, uh, Georgine Bradley, uh, she runs the CSA foundation. And we just got to talking and, um, you know, again, it was just, you know, I don't want to keep using serendipity here, but it, it was just, it was good luck because the, their organization was using salesforce.com. Uh, Salesforce has a great nonprofit, um, you know, deal where they give 1% of their product to charities for free. So essentially any 501c3 nonprofit can get, you know, 10 free licenses of Salesforce, which is you know, essentially like $20,000 worth of software for free uh, annually. The The challenge and the the hurdle there is it's a really hard application uh, to implement and to manage if you don't know what you're doing, you know? And so, uh, you know, that's really kind of where that connection started was, you know, we, we had got to talking and it just came about that they were using it. I was like, oh, that's great. Like, you know, I have a background in in consulting and implementation with Salesforce you know, with the the software uh, company that I was working with, I was like, I could totally help you guys out. Um, you know, I I'm not I'm not an expert. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a certified admin. I know enough to be dangerous, but I can definitely help get you guys to the next level um, and really help you kind of maximize this tool. And so that's kind of how it started. And it was just you know it's just pro bono, like you know, let's help these guys out. Um, that you know, ocean conservation—that's a cause that's near and near and dear to me, especially as a as a diver. You know, you see a lot of, you know, a lot of shark finning happening. You see a lot of whaling, just a lot of garbage in the oceans. And so, um, I wanted to, in some way, kind of give back and and help out an organization that was doing some good things, right? So, that's where it started, and and it basically segued into them asking me to join the board, um, you know, shortly after because you know, obviously Salesforce sessions kind of segued into like talking about, you know, well, how do we fundraise more and how do we, you know, market better and how do we do X, Y, and Z. Um, and I'm pretty outspoken on some of those ideas. So I was, you know, I was chiming in and, and obviously uh, Georgine liked some of the ideas. And so, yeah, I think probably within six months, they had asked me to join the board of directors. And, and so I'd accepted that. Uh, and I, I was with them for probably about 18 months or so. And then I got connected with Brody um, through a mutual friend, um, Andrew Peluso. I don't, I don't know if you've met Andrew, but uh, so we, yeah, we met and, and Brody, I think had like just started his nonprofit and, you know, I was like, Hey, this is, you know, this is awesome. This is great. There's no thoughts of like, Hey, let me let me help you guys out because I, you know, I had so much going on and I was already involved with the nonprofit. 
but I did casually mention to him, you know, a couple times, like, hey, you guys should you should get on Salesforce.com. It's twenty thousand dollars of free software. It's a no brainer. Like, I'll help you set it up and, and get it started and refer you to some people that can help you, you know, uh, manage and maintain this this environment. And he's like, yeah, no, it sounds good, you know, and and he's busy too. And and then finally, I got him to like just go and fill out the application form, um, get the licenses. And then they just sat there for probably nine months or 12 months. Um, and, and then at the same time, I was kind of pushing him to get, you know, his own EA, to get his own, you know, virtual assistant. And that was another thing, you know, just kind of, you know, nudging him, you know, when I would talk to him and he mentioned how overwhelmed he is and I'm like, I got, I have a team that can help you. Like, let's, you know, let, let's do it. You guys are a nonprofit. Like I'll charge you cost. Like let's, you know, let's just, let's make this work for you. And so finally he pulled the trigger on that and and we got him a, a great, a great guy, uh, Josh. He, yeah. Loves Josh. And uh, you know, he, Josh is great. Ex Google guy. Um, he's, he's been managing their, their website uh, for quite some time. Uh, managing actually a lot of their like operations processes, which is which is quite impressive. Um, and, you know, and so that segued into him, I think, kind of like, okay, cool, like, you provided a, a fair amount of guidance here, like, uh, as far as like, what to do with with the organization. Um, and there, there was, you know, some other stuff there, too, as well, that was a little bit more like granular. And he's like, look, I've got a spot on the board. Um, yeah, how do you feel about doing it. And, uh, you know, again, I, I had a lot going on. So I was like, Hey, give me, you know, give me until the end of the year. This was probably like October, November last year. Cause I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make the decision lightly and just be like, yeah, cool. Another board of directors to be on. And, and so I kind of thought about it and, and ultimately, you know, decided to kind of step away and not, not focus on the, the ocean conservation, um, side as much and focus more on, you know, helping, helping sick kids, frankly. And, so I, I accepted that and, you know, first of the year, this was just recently 2019, I, I joined the board there um, and helped kind of actually spearhead this Philippines campaign that, that we're running. So we did one, um, I guess it's probably been about, what, eight, eight months ago or so now uh, that we did our last Philippines trip and we helped, you know, about 20 families over there. So this time we're going bigger and better and we're going to, we're going to help a hundred families and it's going to be a, yeah, it's an awesome trip. That's so cool. Every time you, every time I interview someone, like I interviewed, uh, who did I interview last? Sorry, I can't really space on it. Um, but every time I interview someone, they're always just like, oh, I, I lived over here and then I traveled there and then I did this and I'm like, yeah, I went to Costa Rica once. Pretty cool. Like, you know, I don't, you know, like I just haven't really. Dude, I'm going through your Instagram. You're jacked, dude. I had no idea. You're like super jacked. <laughs> That's a uh, once upon a time. Yeah. Once upon a time. Good stuff. We have, yeah, how long yeah, I, try, I try to maintain a little bit. Uh, that's that's my that's my meditation, my happy place. Jeez, dude. Um, Good for you. Makes grounded. Oh, it makes me feel like a yeah. piece of shit. I'm gonna go work out after. I'm actually gonna work out <laughs> this anyways. Um, Perfect, dude. Good stuff. Uh, I was just going to tag you in a post and then I got distracted by uh, how much buffer you were than me. Um, but yeah, dude, no, that, that's so cool, man. What, uh, <clears throat> what are, what are like the long-term goals for uh cloud trip? I was like, do you eventually, obviously you don't want to become 
what you f- are fighting against like these giant companies but i mean yeah is there a certain point where i mean do you want this to get big or is it more of like side cash for you like what obviously you're helping all these people like there's so many different ways you can look at why you're doing sure. this but like is there a certain point where it gets too big and you're not enjoying it anymore or like wh- like where do you how do you feel about that yeah i i don't think so and and again i think um you know definitely we we don't want you know, and this is something that, that you and I talked about and, and I, I chat with every, you know, client that I bring on board or, or prospective client like that, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, niche in, in that way. Like there's a few areas that we, that we focus on as far as where we can help people, you know, sales being a big one, um, you know, op- operations being another one. And then, you know, kind of like VA, jack of all trades type of, type of stuff. But you know, we're not like a, a marketing specialist, you know, we're not a content creation specialist, we're, we're not, you know, programming specialists. Um, so we're, we're going to keep it in that domain, we're going to keep it in that realm. Um, you know, I, I like working with, you know, more of the like small business and SMB space. Um, I don't think we'll ever go into the enterprise market um, from that standpoint, because I think that's where you get into, you know, the the situations where it's like, you're just you're trying to make every single dollar count. And and you're in bottom of the barrel wages and, you know, charging as much as you can to these big, you know, fortune 1000 companies. Um, so so we'll stay out of that that range, but really like long term um, goal and 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 where I see it going is you know, absolutely growing it, but not for my sake, uh, more so for the employee's sake, you know, um, that, and that's what it comes down to. So, I mean, it's not, it's not utterly and completely selfless. Like obviously I'm, I'm turning a profit here and, and, you know, making a couple bucks on running the business, but really it's just like, I've got some great, great people on the team that work for me and I want to, I want to enable them to achieve all the goals and dreams that they have, you know, and, and, and they work really hard. Um, and so that's, that's what it's going to come down to. Like, it's going to come down to, um, you know, pushing growth more for their sake than for my sake in, in that area, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, making me want to find more ambitious goals myself. Uh, it's so cool, man. <laughs> Well, dude, this has been so awesome. Do you have anything you want to leave people with? Any piece of advice for entrepreneurs? Um, obviously, whether you believe it or not, you're obviously an entrepreneur uh, in many ways, more than you'd like to admit. So as an <laughs> awesome entrepreneur yourself, do you have any sort of like advice for people? Uh, yeah, just I, I mean, in closing, um, I would say that, you know, you, uh, man, there's a lot, but just to kind of kind of tie into the theme and the thread of our conversation is just make decisions predicated on what you can learn and, and growth uh, for, for yourself. Like don't make decisions based on like, is this going to give me the best ROI? Am I going to make the most money on this? Like it, it has to be making you a better leader, a better person, a smarter businessman, a smarter entrepreneur and then you'll become the type of person that will get you what you want, that, that success, whether it's monetary or otherwise. And that would be it. Boom. Boom. All right. Boom. Good stuff, man. 
I appreciate it. I'm yeah. excited to try out my EA uh, next week, or not try out, but you know, start working with my Whatever. EA, and uh, it should be yeah. an awesome relationship. And best luck to you and all your ventures, man. Absolutely, same to you. Thanks for having me on, Corey. Absolutely, man. So first of all, you guys are all so amazing. We hit 10,000 downloads for the first season alone. I don't know if that's going to go up or go down for season two, but I'm just really excited. I got to meet the coolest people, got to travel around mostly the LA area and just meet people that have done some amazing things. I was at NFL Network interviewing the VP of the NFL. I went to the Hollywood Hills, was interviewing Garen Jones. I went to the other side of the Hollywood Hills. I was interviewing Ian Chen, got to see their home office. I mean, it was such a cool experience. I'm so thankful that you guys were a part of it. And I've got some, I'm not going to say better, but I've got some really awesome interviews coming at you for season two. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I guarantee I don't update this till the end of season two. So if you're watching the last episode of season two and I'm hyping you up for all the episodes of season two, sorry about that. I guarantee I'll forget. And uh, cool guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of this. Please leave five stars if you can in the, in the podcast store. I don't think Google allows you to do that. But uh, leave a mental five stars if you want. And feel free and comment. Give me some feedback. I'm always looking to improve. And just thank you so much for being a part of the We Strive podcast.